Hey, I want to welcome you to Sunday Worship at FBCO. We're delighted that you're here. If you're new, uh, text to connect, and we'll send you some information about our church. Or if you want to talk to someone more about spiritual matters, you can do that. Just text us, and we'll get, uh, find out, get you some information or talk to you about whatever the need may be, if you want to trust Christ as Savior or whatever the case may be. And you'll notice our website, fbcofallon.org. We'd uh, it tells all about the schedule and all the things that happen, Wednesday worship, all the Sunday morning, all kinds of other activities, uh, online things for teenagers, for our children, etc. And I wanted to mention as well that our life groups, many of our life groups meet uh, during this time of separation. They meet via Zoom or some other means. And if you're interested in meeting with one of our small groups, our life groups, just let us know, text us or email us and we'll, we'll help you find a class today or for next week or the future. And we'd love for you to get connected to those, to those life groups. Those are small group Bible studies and they'd be happy to have you. I want you to open your Bibles, please. Get a Bible there, follow along as we go, write down some notes as we go. And I want you to turn to the book of James chapter four. It's in the New Testament, James chapter four. We're working our way through this book of the Bible. And uh, let's read together, James chapter four. We're just going to read a few verses together starting with verse 7, James chapter 4, verse 7. These are powerful verses that talk to us about how we can draw near to God. The Bible says this, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Well, I want to talk with you about what it means to draw near to God. And here's the basic principle I want you to get. Write this on your notes, if you would, please. God wants a close, vibrant relationship with you. God wants a close, vibrant relationship with you. Not just religion or not just to know about God, but a close and vibrant relationship with you. He wants you to know him as your savior. And if you don't yet know Christ as savior, we'll be happy to explain to you how you can know him as savior, how you can be forgiven of sins and how you can be born again, to use the words of Jesus. But the, the Bible tells us that we're saved for more than just one day going to heaven, but God wants a close and vibrant relationship with us right here and right now. And it even tells us how to do that in verse eight. Notice what the Bible says, draw near to God, that is us doing our part. God, I wanna come closer to you. I wanna come closer to you. I'm gonna talk about how you do that in a moment. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's what the text says. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. God wants a close relationship with us. He wants a, a vibrant relationship with us. And so if we move toward God, if we draw near to him, we find he is absolutely willing to draw near to us. And we find the closeness and vibrancy that God wants us to have. Now it's not through, here's a couple of things that keep us from a close and vibrant relationship with God. Lukewarm religion, lukewarm religion. If religion just becomes a replacement for a relationship with God, and quite frankly, many people in our nation, many people in our country who call themselves Christian, uh, really it's very lukewarm. There's no, dynam no dynamism to the relationship. It's not close and dynamic. And so, <sighs> A lukewarm faith is not what God wants. He, wants. he wants you to follow him fully and closely and dynamically. And many just, instead of that, have kind of a lukewarm faith. God would 
call you to revival. God would call you to a close relationship with him. And of course, it's uh, another danger is distraction, where we just stop thinking about the things of God. Maybe God is using these days in our culture to remind us of how much we need him and to help us to set aside for a few moments the distractions that are all around us so we focus on God. Sometimes my wife will be walking through the room and she'll say something to me. And if I'm watching a television show, sports or something, or if I'm on a computer and maybe, sometimes she'll say something and I don't hear it at all. Now hear it physically. I mean, there's a ringing in my inner ear. I might even say after a while, did you say something? But I'm not listening. I don't hear her. And that puts an impediment, that distraction keeps me from the relationship that, of course, we want to have together. Now, God in heaven, something very much like this happens with our relationship with God, where God made us for a close relationship with him. And yet sometimes we're just distracted by the things of life. So we're too busy to read his word. I've been encouraging people to read through the New Testament during this season. We're just too busy or maybe it's not so much busyness as distraction or we're distracted from prayer, and we just don't gain this dynamic relationship with God. So I want to talk with you about five ways to draw near to God. Five ways to draw near from God. This text really gives us a key and a picture of how we can draw near to God, and when we do, we find God draws near to us. So write these five principles down. Here's how we draw near to God. Number one, draw near by submitting. <laughs> by submitting. That's what verse seven says, therefore submit to God. It's therefore means there's something before it. Verse six says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And he's saying, when we recognize that we need the Lord, we draw near to him by submitting. That word submit uh, is sort of like a military term. Those of you who are connected to the military, or if you ever have been, you'll certainly recognize this. It's saying something like this. It's getting in your proper rank. It's when we recognize God is my commander in chief. I'm not in charge. I'm not in charge. I'm not just saying, God, here's what you need to do for me. I'm recognizing that he is my commander in chief and I'm going to follow his direction for me and I submit to God. The Bible tells us we all of us have responsibilities to submit. We submit to our parents or we submit to government authorities or the Bible even says submit to one another. But certainly God wants us to learn to submit to him, to recognize his place and our place and to follow his will and not our own. And sometimes God is going to ask us to do things that are difficult and hard, but it's for our good. So uh, in my sports playing days, uh, sometimes I had coaches who would make me do things that I didn't really want to do. In basketball, we would often have, coaches would often have us run. We had a thing that we call line drills. I think every Every place calls it something different. And by line drills, the coach would say, all right, everybody on the line. And we were going to run these line drills. We'd run to the free throw line and back to the end line and then to the half court line and then back and then to the other free, th free throw line and back and then to the end line on the other side and back. And that was uh, just one. And we'd do those sorts of things over and over and over. Now, I didn't like it much. It, got, uh, it made me tired. But the coach believed that would be to my benefit and to the team's benefit. And so he asked me to do something that I didn't really want to do. But I had to make a choice. I either had to quit the team or I had to submit to the coach and follow his direction. Now, God in heaven is better than any coach I've ever had. Though I had some great coaches along the way, God in heaven is better than any of them. And here are some reasons why we ought to submit 
to God, to draw near by submitting to God. Let me just mention just four. Uh, he knows more. I don't want to offend you, but God knows more than you know. He's smarter than you, and he knows more of what you need than you know. Secondly, he has a better perspective. God is able to see the big picture in a way that we often don't. We often just see the small little slice of the moment in time in which we're living, or just our condition as it is right now. God is able to see the big picture. He has a better perspective. He loves me, and he wants my best. I should submit to him because God really cares about me and he wants what's best for me, though I don't always see it at the time. That seems hard. You know, that God's asking me to do a hard thing. I'm running, I'm running these line drills and these are difficult. But those things are in my best benefit if they're in God's will. And here's a fourth reason why I, we ought to submit to God. Because through it, we, have, we end up with this close relationship with God and we draw near to God by submitting to his direction. And we find that God who loves us more than we love us will draw near to us when we draw near to him. And so we draw near by submitting. So I'm going to ask you today, would you submit to God? Say, God, you're in charge, not me. I want to give my life to you. I want to follow your direction. You are Lord. And there's a power to that. There's a second way we draw near to God. Would you write this down? Draw near by resisting, by resisting. So let's go to verse 7 again. The Bible says, therefore, submit to God. That's the first half of the verse. And then the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Man, I need this. Submit to God. And then the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And when I resist the devil, I find there's a, a power that comes and a closeness that comes with God. Here's what the devil wants to do in your life. He wants four things he wants to do. He wants to deceive you. He is a liar. He's the father of lies, the Bible says. And he wants to deceive you and he'll use any means that you give him. Our culture often just looks at the world in a wrong way and he'll, the devil will deceive you even either overtly or, or behind the scenes. Often he does in our culture, much of his best work behind the scenes. And he wants to deceive you and he'll do it every chance he gets. He will lie to your face. Secondly, he wants to distract you. Just as I could be distracted by, my, uh, by other events when my wife is walking, walking by, I find that the enemy often in our culture, he, just, he does this covert work, this subtle work, and he just distracts us from God's best. So you, you don't have time to read God's word. I mean, good night, there's something else you need to do besides pray. Or every time we begin to really consider the important things of life, we just can find a distraction that, the devil would even use good things to keep us from the great things, even fairly good things to keep us from great things, from God's best. He wants to deceive you. He wants to distract you. He wants to defeat you. Make no mistake about this. He wants you to lose. He's going to try to get you to think that you're winning, but I'm telling you, he wants to defeat you. That is his goal for you. He wants your defeat. He doesn't want your victory. He wants your defeat. And the number four, he wants to destroy you. Ultimately, He's come to steal and to kill and destroy, the Bible says. Some of you may remember Martin Luther was the great reformer long centuries ago now. And uh, Martin Luther, in addition to being a theologian and such, was also, he also wrote some hymns. He wrote a hymn that we still use today called, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And there's a line in that old, old, old hymn. He used the modern music of his day, by the way, and just put, words to it. 
And there's a line that he uses in that that goes something like this. On earth is not his equal. Now he's talking, not here about God, though there's no one on earth that is the equal of God. But when he says on earth is not his equal, he's talking about the devil. He's talking about the devil. What he's saying is not one of us in our own ability, not one of us by our talent, not one of us by our skill is strong enough to stand against the enemy. But God in us is. And the Bible reminds us that God gives us victory over sin and death and hell itself. And he is bigger and stronger and we can count on him. And so here's what God says. If you will resist the devil. Now, some of you have gotten in the habit of just, man, the enemy knows how to tempt you and you just fall and you just find yourself going back to the same old pig pen over and over again. The same old pig pen when God has something far better for you. But here's what the Lord says to us. If you will resist the devil, he will flee from you because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And God in you is big enough to give you the victory over your temptations, your past, your problems, your struggles, your addictions, whatever it might be, God in you is big enough to give you that victory. Your part is to resist the devil, stand against him, and God will bring victory to your life. And you'll find the devil will flee from you, flee from you. That is what God wants for you. And you Draw near to God by resisting. You know, you can't draw near to God by being near the enemy. But the farther you get from the devil, the closer you can get to God. The more you resist the devil, the more you can say yes to God. You say no to what the devil wants for you, and you'll find yourself learning to say yes to what God wants for you, his good and his best in your life. There's a third way we draw near to God, and that is we draw near by cleansing. Now, don't miss this. We draw near by cleansing. God wants us to be clean. Notice what the Bible says. Never has there been a verse that applies more to our day. After saying, draw near to God and he will draw near to you in verse 8. Then it says these words. Cleanse your hands, sinners. I don't know about you, but I, I think I've cleaned my hands, washed my hands more now than ever in my life. Now, I didn't grow up. I, I grew up a boy. And so I grew up not always caring about cleanliness. I'll just say that. So I remember when I was a little boy, my mom got after me. She said, look at this towel, she said. She said, it's filthy dirty. She said, you're not washing your hands right. You're just getting them wet and wiping them on the towel. And, you know, that's exactly what I was doing. And I said, um, well, how am I supposed to do it? I mean, I just didn't know any, any better. She said, honey, she said, or whatever she said. I don't know if she called me honey that time. She said, I, and she showed me how to wash my hands and keep washing them, you know, get the soap on it, rub them, get the, get the dirt. It'd go down the sink then. And then when they're rinsed well, then I can dry them. But I cleaned them in the sink. Well, I didn't know any better. Boys can be slow about these things. Here's what God says to us. Cleanse your hands, sinners. So I want to note, uh, the Bible's talking here about sinful actions. It says, cleanse your hands, sinners. It's talking about the actions that we take. So we've got to do two things if we're going to be clean. Recognize the mess is number one. We'll never wash our hands until we recognize we need to. Once we recognize that, something can be done about it. Recognize the mess. So my mom might say something like, let me see your hands after she sent me in to wash my hands before dinner. Or uh, let me check you after we you know, took our bath or something as a boy. Because I, you know, I tried to just get it done as quickly as I could. She wanted to make sure 
that I saw the mess and I, so that I could do something about it. Now, as long as you think sin's no big deal, may I say, join the club. Our culture says sin's no big deal. There's no such thing as sin. If there is sin, it's no big deal. Just have at it. And God says, oh, it's a big, big deal. It's killing you. It's destroying you. It's defeating you. It's keeping you from God's best. I have something so much better for you, God is saying. So see the mess. And if you'll see the mess, some people will never get saved because they've never recognized how lost they are by their sins because they've said it's no big deal. God says it's such a big deal that I'm sending my son Jesus into this world to go to the cross to pay the penalty for your sins. That's how much holiness matters. That's how terrible sin is. And I want you to see, I want you to recognize the mess. And then, secondly, we can remove the mess. When we see the mess, when we recognize it, then we can remove it. We, sometimes we have to get the soap out, you know, run the water kind of warm, scrub. Sometimes you have to scrub. You get your hands dirty enough, you have to scrub. Well, Jesus is, by the way, the means by which we can be scrubbed clean. The blood of Jesus is sufficient to forgive every sin of your past, every sin of your life, all the brokenness, all the pain, and all the hurt, all that you've done, all that's been done to you. The blood of Jesus is sufficient, and he can forgive you fully and completely and make you clean. And the Bible says the Lord Jesus forgives us of our sins and he sets us free. And if he sets us free, we're free indeed. And we can have cleansing from the Lord. Here's what we do. We confess, God, I recognize my need and we repent. God, I'm turning from this. I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to cleanse my hands because I'm a sinner. And when we do this, we find God who is holy. We find ourselves drawing near to God and he draws near to us. Because God in heaven wants what's best for you. He wants the good. He wants the right. He wants the holy. He wants the, he wants the things that will bring great benefit and blessing to you. That's what God wants for you. So cleanse your hands, sinners, the Bible says. And when we do this, we find ourselves drawing closer and closer to God in his holiness. And that relationship with God becomes more vibrant and dynamic. It may be that there are some of you listening to this who gave your life to Christ maybe even long years ago, but through time you've drifted from God and little sins, what you call little sins, have, have gained traction in your life. I'm asking you today to confess those to God and turn from them, repent, and God will forgive and God will renew that dynamic relationship. He made you for that. He saved you for that. And he wants that for you. Now there's a, a fourth principle to a close and vibrant relationship with God. Number four, we draw near by purifying. Write that down if you would, please, by purifying. So verse eight says, cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now this isn't, isn't speaking just of actions, but of our attitude, our heart or our mind. That's, that's what's referenced here. Purify your hearts, and it warns us about being double-minded. So it's talking about sinful attitudes, or motives, not just the actions that we have, though those things need to be dealt with before God, but the attitudes, the motives for what we do, why we do what we do. You know, we can do the right thing for the wrong reason. You know, our attitude could be lousy. Maybe our actions are, are, are right, and we could say, I'm, I'm in good shape, but man, our attitude could be lousy before God. And God cares about our actions, and he cares about our attitudes, and he cares about the motives behind them all. And so he says, I want you to purify your hearts. I want you, not just your hands, 
not just the outside, but I want you to go all the way to the inner soul, to who you are, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. I watched sometimes, I haven't watched it in, in the last years, but there was a time when I watched, my wife and I watched a gold mining shows for a while. They were all the rage for a while. I, I don't know. I, <laughs> these guys would be out in Alaska or Canada or somewhere or wherever they went, and they'd uh, try to get gold. They'd run through huge amounts of rocks and dirt through these giant machines, and they'd wash away the dirt, and they'd get down to these little teeny pieces of gold because gold's worth a lot of money. And they'd get, and then even after they got all the dirt off, all the grime off, then they'd have to, they'd have to put them in the fire, heat, just incredibly hot temperatures to burn off all the impurities because they wanted to get the pure gold. That was what was valuable. God in heaven wants to purify you. He wants to remove all the grime, all the grit. So I want to ask you to do two things. I want, this is talking here about right thinking. I want to ask you to begin to think like the Lord thinks to have what the Bible calls to, calls to have the mind of Christ. That means we're not thinking. Our thinking is not affected by our culture. The culture is always saying, here's how you should think. Here's how you should think. And by the way, it changes every generation, sometimes not that long. Just things that were acceptable a few years ago aren't now. That's changing all the time. The Lord says, I want you to think like Christ. Have the mind of Christ. Right thinking. Purify your thoughts. God cares about how we think, not just the actions, but the thoughts behind them, how we think about other people, how we think about our actions, how we think about our motives, what, what we do and why we do them. And God wants us to think like he thinks. And if you're not careful, you're going to find yourself conformed to the world. The world is pushing against you all the time. The culture is saying, this is how you think. And God is saying, I want you to resist that. I want you to draw near to me. And I want you to do that by purifying your mind. How you think matters, right thinking. And it's talking here about right focus. I'm going to focus on the things that are pure and good, right and holy, and not, pure, not spend all my time focused on the impurities of this world. Boy, we can start looking a lot like the world when we start thinking like the world. It won't be long till we'll start thinking. As we think like the world, we start acting like the world, following the world, going the way of the world. God has something better for us, and he wants our focus to be right, focused on the things that are pure and good and right. And here's what happens. When we purify our hearts, instead of being double-minded, a, a part of our mind in the things of God, part of our mind in the ways of the world, when we begin to think like God thinks and focus on the things he wants, we find ourselves drawing near to God. And when we draw near to God, he draws, draws near to us. And we find the close, dynamic relationship that God wants for us. Now, here's a fifth thing I want you to note. A, way, a fifth way you draw near to God. Draw near by humbling. By humbling. Now, don't miss this one. We can't ignore this one. Because the passage that we've read really started with humility. Verse 6 says, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. And now it finishes with that humble yourselves. So let's note a couple of things here. Would you note that we're to see the truth of your need? God says, see the truth of your need. Go to verse 9. It's a, it's a straightforward, powerful, hard-hitting verse. The Bible says, be miserable. <laughs> this is in God's Word. You say, oh, God just wants my life to be easy and smooth. No, it, it, to get where God wants you to get, you have to see the truth about where you are. Be miserable, he says, and mourn and weep. 
let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. He's saying, see the truth of your need. Now, I want you to note something. You are broken on your own. We're all broken. Every one of us has sinned against God, and we are broken by our sin. And God is the only one who can deal with this brokenness of our lives. But we will never find the healing God wants until we recognize the brokenness that we have. You'll never find the healing God wants for you until you recognize the brokenness that you have. Now, if you'll bring your brokenness to God, God is able to heal. But if you're saying, like many say, I'm okay without God. I'll just do my own thing unless things get really, really bad. God always tells us the truth because he wants us to see that truth so that we understand the truth, so that we live the truth, so that we can find the power of following him. And so he tells us the truth about our brokenness and our need and our hurt and our pain. Listen, don't try to hide the brokenness of your life to God. He knows it. The reason God sent Jesus into this world to live for you and die for you is because you could not heal yourself. Only God could do that. And until you see your need, you'll never turn to God. Until you see your brokenness, you'll never find the healing that he wants for you. So see the, see the truth of your need and then see the source of your strength. Here's how the Bible says to deal with this problem of brokenness. Verse 10, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. By the way, I do want you to note that the Lord says we humble ourselves. I mean, God, of course, can humble us by the actions and events around us, but he wants us to have the wisdom to humble ourselves, to say, God, I need you. I can't do it on my own. I can't do it through my own strength, but I want to see the source of the strength that I need. I have a need. I'm broken, but I believe you are the source, and I believe I need what only you can give. I can't do this on my own. I can't heal my brokenness. I can't overcome the sinfulness of my past. But I believe you can do all of those things. So here's what I want to do, God. I want to humble myself before you. I'm saying when I'm humble, I, I can't do it. I need God. And I tell you what, you need God. Whether you think it or not, whether you see it or not, and whether you know it or not, you need God. And some of you have never come to God because you've never been willing to be honest with God about how much you need him. And he's waiting for you to break down the pretend wall to take off the mask, stop pretending, and to recognize that you're broken just like everyone else in this human race. All of us have sinned against God. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He can forgive, declare us holy. He can make us free. God does all of that through the Lord Jesus. Now I've said we need to see the truth, see the truth of your need and See the source of your strength and then see the result of your humility. Now, I love this. Verse 10 it did not end with the words, humble yourself. It said, humble yourselves before the Lord, not just, not just pretend. I mean, this is before God who sees everything. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And then notice what it says, and he will exalt you. God's, not, God's goal in humility is not just to crush you. Did you know that? You're already crushed without God. His goal is for you to see the truth about how crushed you are by sin so that he can pick you up, so that he can adopt you into his family, so that he can forgive you of every sin, so that he can declare you forgiven, so that he can exalt you to the place that your soul is longing for. That's why God wants you to humble yourself. 
Because when you see the truth about yourself, he's not trying to crush you. You're already crushed. He's trying to lift you up by the power of the Lord Jesus himself and to help you to see how much you need him. And when you do that, listen, here's what's going to happen. You're going to draw near to God. And when you draw near to God, you'll find he draws near to you. God wants a close, vibrant relationship with you. Maybe you're listening to this and you've never given your life to Christ right where you are today. I want to ask you to repent of your sins. I want to ask you to place your trust in Jesus and Jesus alone, who, who lived the life you couldn't live, who died the death you deserve, who rose from the grave for you, who offers you the miracle of salvation and home in heaven. Uh, you today could be saved. Would you just, right where you are, would you just, Lord, I am a sinner who needs you as Savior. I want to turn from my sin and give my life to you. I place my trust in you, my faith in you. He'll save you if you'll give your life to him today, right where you are. And Christian, the Bible says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. And he's waiting on you to do your part. So these five things, would you say, God, would you apply this to my heart? Would you help me to draw near by submitting by resisting, by cleansing my hands, by, by purifying that heart, by humbling myself before you. God, I want that closeness with you. You made me for that and you saved me for that. Bring a restored soul, bring a renewed focus, bring a revival to my life. And Lord, I'm gonna trust you with my future. And God will, draw, if you'll draw near to him, God, is ready and willing and able to draw near to you. Let's pray together. Lord, I want to thank you for the power of your word. This is, these are powerful verses. We want to trust you through them and find your strength in them. And I thank you. You love us and care about us. And so, Lord, we want to apply this. You tell us if we'll draw near to you, you'll draw near to us. Lord, this day, as best we know how, we want to follow these principles that you teach in your word and draw near to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us. Go to our website, fbcofallon.org, to find out more. If you've trusted Christ as Savior or you'd like to talk to someone more about an issue of faith, if you'll just text us, text to connect, or uh, email us, we'll find out. Uh, we'll get information to you. We'll help you to grow in your faith. Maybe you need to give your life to Christ, or maybe you just did pray to receive Christ. Let us know that. We'll rejoice with you. We'll help you to get started in your walk with the Lord. And we are just delighted that you worship with us. You're always welcome here at FBCO. God bless you. Have a great week. Follow the Lord. And you draw near to him and he'll draw near to you.